Good afternoon, youth. This is Pastor Jeffrey here with you guys. I am going to share with you uh, from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Uh, we just last week went through the first half of the chapter, and now we're going to finish the second half uh, today. So I'm really excited to see what James is going to show us uh, in the scriptures today. As you guys know, as we've been going through this, James has been throwing some really practical things towards the Christian church. And last week, uh, we were studying about not showing partiality uh, amongst each other. And this week, we're going to be talking about faith. So from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, we'll be talking about faith and the works that accompany that faith. And today's message is entitled, A Working Faith. So before we begin, I've got a quick joke for you guys. It says, a pastor was doing a teaching for the children and began to ask them these questions. If I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale, and gave all my money to the church, would that get me into heaven? He asked the children. No, the children all answered. And if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well then, if I was kind to animals and gave candy to all the children and loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? I asked them again, and again they all answered, no. Well, then how can I get into heaven? He asked. A five-year-old boy shouted, you gotta be dead! <laughs> uh, I love that. You gotta be dead! Little five-year-old innocent kid, I love it. It's so true how... For us to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. But the only way to get there is not to be dead, but is to have a true and saving faith, repentance, and come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a really simple thing. Romans explains to us that all we have to do is, is believe and trust in the Lord and call on his name. And we are saved but there is a part of repentance that comes from that. And then there's also a second half that, that goes to that, which we're going to see today in James chapter 2, where we don't just have a faith and then we sit on the sidelines, but rather we have a faith that makes us active. We have a faith that makes us living. We have a faith that makes us obedient. We have a faith, as James puts it, that puts into good works. So let's go ahead and read. In verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Now, James here, he thinks it's impossible that someone can genuinely have saving faith with no works. Can you be a Christian and not do good works? To be honest, that if you think about it, that really doesn't line up. It's, it should be an oxymoron where a Christian should be known as somebody who does good works. But I'm not a Christian because I do good works. I'm a Christian because I have been redeemed by Jesus Christ himself. But, as we're going to learn today, through that redemption, through that grace, and through that faith comes this love and this obedience and these good works towards others. But James says here, Someone says he has faith but does not have works. Can that type of faith save him? And that's a good rhetorical question, just a good valid question to begin with. Can that faith save him? 
And we're going to be talking about today this, this faith that you and I have placed in Jesus. And I pray that you have placed in Jesus. This isn't a type of faith that we're talking about, you know, the thief on the cross. Like the thief on the cross, for instance, all he could do was put his faith in Christ, right? Like there was no opportunity for him to get down off the cross and to go and do good works and to go help the lady across the street and to go, you know, honor his father and mother. Uh, He had been saved by faith. We see that in Ephesians, right? Paul tells us that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So the the thief on the cross didn't have that opportunity, but Jesus turned to him and said to him, surely today you'll be with me in paradise, right? We have to understand that salvation comes through faith and faith alone and not of works, lest any man should boast, right? There is nothing of my own accord that gave me, that granted me salvation. It was all through Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. That's it. None of, none of me, nothing of me. But since I have been reborn, regenerated, given a new life, I'm a new creation, there are new things and beautiful and good things that should come because I have the Holy Spirit indwelling in me. So James, as he's writing this, we have to remember he's writing to a Jewish background. And these Jews recently discovered the glory of salvation by faith, which you and I are just really accustomed to. But you got to understand, in this time, they weren't accustomed to it. They were so uh, bound by the, the legalism and, and the works and the traditions and, and going through you know, this step and that step to be considered holy or righteous. So this was new to them. It was exhilarating. It was, it was, it was basically freedom and liberty to, be know, to know that you were justified through your faith. But with that, just like we humans always do, they went to the extreme opposite end of thinking that works didn't matter anymore. Okay, They were so freed by the idea and the thought that I am saved by faith alone. But they went so far that it's just faith that I have to live by now. And we know that faith cannot be seen right like i you cannot see my faith without works you can't see my faith and that's what we're going to learn today and that's what the christian church here that james is writing to is going to learn too that yes you can say you have faith and yes you can have faith and though it may not be visible per se it can be visible and it should be visible by your works your works will be a proof of your faith. Now James is not contradicting what Paul says. We know that in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 9, he talks about uh you know being uh that that we are saved by grace through faith and not of works. And yes, we are saved by grace through faith, but a saving faith will always have works that accompany it. Right? There's a saying that goes, faith alone saves, but the faith that saves is not alone right it has good works that come with it and paul continued to write even in the next verse in ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 he says for we are his workmanship right we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works right you were created you were designed specifically in jesus christ not so much for faith right but we do know that it starts with faith and it continues with faith and it ends with faith, 
But because of that faith, it, it accompanies good works. You were created for these good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, simply put, you might be asking, you know, what are these good works? What is good works? And simply put, it's this, obedience to God. Obedience to God and his word. What is he telling us to do? What is he telling me to do? We see all throughout scripture the examples that Jesus gives us in the gospels. We get uh, a bunch of different commandments and we get two simple commandments, right? Where we are able to, if we're able to obey those, we pretty much obey all of them, right? And those two simple commandments, although they're simple, yet they're, they're hard as well. It's to love God and to love others, right? That's, that's the simple works that you and I could be doing. Am I loving others? And James is going to give us some practical examples here in a second. So although faith is vital and key to salvation, if not accompanied by works, it is dead. And we are to do good works. Remember, I talked about it being obedience. It's as simple as that. Obedience to Jesus, to God, to what his word says. And here's the thing. We cannot think we won't be judged on our works. Because you know what? We will. Isn't that crazy? Maybe it's the first time you're hearing that. The first time that I'm hearing, I'm going to be judged based on my works. Now, Jeffrey, where does that come from? Well, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And there are other references to this, but I'm going to focus on this verse right here. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad now this judgment is not based on salvation that that has already been done jesus has redeemed us on the cross there there's no judging here in regards to salvation this literally has to do with works and specifically this judging has to do with christians only those who have been redeemed this is not the great white throne of judgment which we see in revelation chapter 20 this describes a judgment specifically just for believers. The phrase judgment seat, which we get in 2 Corinthians 5.10, is a single word in the ancient Greek language of the New Testament, uh, and the word is bima, and it literally means step, as in a raised platform or a seat. And this is where a Roman magistrate sat to act as a judge. And so there will be a time where you and I will stand before Christ in the judgment seat of Christ and he will judge us on the things that we have done. So first, he'll judge us on the things that we have done, right? Secondly, we'll be judged on our motives for what we have done, right? So what have you done? And then with what kind of heart did you do it? Because there are times where we do good works, right? But it's with the wrong heart. You know, there's times where we will go and we'll be obedient to our parents and we'll, you know, take the trash out or we'll clean our room, but we're huffing and puffing along the way or we have a bad attitude or we're bitter about it. And there is no blessing for anyone, yourself, your parents, whoever it is, there is no blessing for anyone when we do something with a bad heart. So we will be judged by what we do and how we do it. And Paul presents pretty much the same idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 
in verses 12 through 15 where he says, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. And if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Paul makes it clear that what we have done and our motive by doing it will be tested by fire. And the purifying fire of God will burn up everything that was not of him. Everything. It's like we're going to be sifted. We're going to... You're going to be judged and and you're going to realize at that moment all the things that you did that will be just consumed because it was done with wrong motives or was just a bad work and it wasn't of Christ. All those things we're going to realize and I think we're going to be shocked at how much that we have done is not worthy. We're going to be really shocked. And this is a challenge for you and I and James is putting this in the practical sense that are you doing good works and what is your heart behind it? Is, it? is it a good heart? Is it led by the Holy Spirit? Is it led by the love of God? Now, we won't necessarily be punished for what was not done rightly unto the Lord here in this judgment seat of Christ. It, the things that we do will simply be burned up and it will be as if we never did those things. We'll be rewarded for what remains. And again, I think... I know even for my own self, because I know my own heart, that there's going to be so much that will be burned up and that I may or may not be shocked at what remains, but what remains, I will be rewarded with. Again, the judgment seat of Christ is not designed to punish believers, but rather to reward them for their faithful service. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. The Bible tells us, and tells us here that, the God, that God will reward the actions of us, the actions of believers. Psalm 62, 12 says, In that you, O Lord, are loving, surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. Jesus even himself says in Matthew 16, 27, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what he has done what are those rewards like what am what am i working towards and there's five five rewards there's five crowns as the bible puts it that will be obtainable at the judgment seat of christ and those can be found throughout the old the 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 whole new testament and i'll just briefly mention them in the scripture that accompanies them and i would encourage you guys to do your own research do your own study the first one being the crown of righteousness you find that in second timothy 4 8 the second one being the crown of life in Revelation 2.10. The third one being the incorruptible crown, which can be found in 1 Corinthians 9.25. The fourth one being the crown of rejoicing, which is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. And the last one, the fifth one, the crown of glory, which is in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4. In those five things, and I don't want to get to heaven, and then I'd be judged and everything be burned up. And here I am, having tried to do all these works and then being empty before Christ and not having, having obtained any rewards, not having obtained any crowns. It's a challenge for you and I. 
that if you consider yourself a Christian, if you are born again, if you have faith, that faith should be accompanied by works. By works. There will be a testing of your faith. And really, we are tested on a daily basis. What am, I, what am I doing in the midst of my household? What am I doing at school? What am I doing at work? How am I treating other people? Do I have a faith that is dead and it's not accompanied by works? Do I proclaim myself to be a Christian at work, yet I never show love? Yet I never put that faith into practical application where I am selfless and I'm helping others in their time of need? Am I, am I not doing that with my parents or my siblings or my friends or even just random people on the street? As we're going to learn about this practical application and this practical uh, example that, that James is going to give us in a second, it challenges me and it reminds me of the times where I am uh, driving and I'm stopped at a stoplight and there's a homeless person begging for money or food or you know clothing, whatever it may be. And far too often, I just continued going. And there have been times where the Lord has challenged me where, look, Jeffrey, like if you proclaim to be a Christian, if you, even more importantly, proclaim to love me, you need to show that same type of love that I've shown you to others. You can't just keep saying that you love me. You can't just keep saying that you're a Christian and then not act like a follower of mine. You can't just see somebody, as we're going to see again in a second, you can't just see somebody who is struggling and who is hurting and who literally has a need and just say, hey, buddy, I'll be praying for you. I'll be praying that, you know, you find your next meal or be praying, you know, that you, I don't know, can find a job or a home or, you know, a place, place to eat or sleep. Too many times we act too spiritual. Too many times I act too spiritual and I don't put it into a practical faith. I don't do works. And I know that's going to be a challenge for you guys the same as it is going to be for me and it's going to cut us to the heart. Am I actually doing good works? James, here's the example. We'll talk about it. He says in verse 15, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food... And one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? It's like, okay, somebody is is cold, right? They don't have a coat. They're hungry. They're naked and they're in destitute of daily food. And they come here to the church, right, where, where we can actually practically show them love and provide for them what they need. But what? how would it look if somebody came here Right? Even specifically within our body came and said, Jeffrey, you know, I I'm, I'm I haven't even eaten in a day or two. And then I say, Okay, well, let me pray for you. <laughs> what what would that even do? Like what good is that? It reminds me and we've been challenged as we've gone to Atlanta uh plenty of times. And Atlanta, if you don't know what we what we've done or or what has happened when we go is that we minister to the homeless. We go from bridges to bridges. We go from street to street, neighborhood to neighborhood, where we meet people who are literally uh, daily fighting for food and shelter and warmth. And our goal, our ultimate goal is to share the love of Christ with them, right? 
Our ultimate goal is to share the gospel with them because we know that is what they need most. That is what anybody needs most, regardless of poor, rich, whatever it may be. We all need Jesus. But what we've come to find out and what we've noticed is that you cannot share the love of Christ with somebody who, who is on an empty stomach, with somebody who hasn't eaten all day, with somebody who is, is struggling and cold. Right? You, you, it's, it's impossible. It's pointless. There's no love. It's, it's like uh, Paul when he explains in Corinthians chapter 13 in the beginning. It's like I do all these things for God, yet I do it without love. It's like a clanging uh, symbol, right? Like it's just, it's, it's nothing. It's just noise. It's empty. It's fruitless. And so what we've learned is that if I want to show them love of Christ and I want to talk to them and share the gospel, I have to meet their physical need first before we can meet their spiritual need. And it's a challenge for you and I that to not be more spiritual than what we think we are. We sometimes we need to realize that we need to stop praying, but rather we need to start doing. I know that can sound bad, but understand the context of this. We should pray without ceasing, yes. But James is challenging us, if you have faith in Christ, make sure that faith is accompanied by works. So there's often times where we need to be challenged to get up off our knees and really do and go and put in some work to practically show love. James <laughs> James gives this great example. He says, okay, well, I notice that you're naked and you're destitute of daily food. And, and it's like saying to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled. And, and here you are probably with like more food than you need. And you got like three coats on and you're like, hey man, you know, uh, I wish you all the luck. And, you know, I, I hope you, you know, I'm sending you good thoughts and good vibes and I'm praying for you. And, it's, and the guy's like, dude, like just, you got like three coats on, right? Or you got that extra, like, where is the love in that? Where is the true faith in that? There's a lack of a living faith. It's a dead faith. And James says, what does it profit? It profits nothing. It profits nothing. You fool yourself into thinking you have a real faith. So there's no profit there. And then for the man who is in need, there's no profit there. There's no profit in you wishing them good luck or, you know, be warmed and filled, right? There's, there's nothing that comes from that. And James goes on to say in verse 17, thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we get this example here that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. And that's, you know, that goes into the example uh, of what Paul gives us in Ephesians, that we know that we are not saved by works, but we were saved by faith. But again, faith without works is dead. This is a great lesson for you and I that we're to really help others in their time of need. And Jesus even gives us a great example in the parable of the sheep and the goats, which we see in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. I don't have time to read through it, but I would encourage you to read through it because it, it, it really cuts you to the heart and you realize, man, I should not take any single person for granted that I need to show everyone love and compassion and to practically put in put into place good works for everyone that I come in contact with because it is an overflow of the faith and love that I have in verse 17 like we already said thus also faith by itself if it does not have works is dead 
James goes on to say in verse 18, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works, right? So you got two people who are, are I don't know if they're arguing, if they're just explaining to one another. You know, one says, uh, okay, well, you have faith and I have works. So there's a guy over here that says I've got works and there's a guy over here that says I have faith. And one guy will say, show me your faith without your works. Can you prove your faith without your works? No, you can't. You cannot prove your faith without your works. But the other guy says, I will show you my faith by my works. Right? I didn't come to faith by my works, but I will prove to you my faith by my works. I love that. Someone will say to you, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. The, the word show me here has this meaning to uh, expose to the eyes, to give evidence or proof. And that's exactly what works do for our faith. It gives evidence of our faith. It gives proof of our faith. We can see someone's faith through their works, but we cannot see someone's works through their faith. James goes on to say in verse 19, You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But you do but do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? The word tremble here has the idea of stiffening up, to stand up, to shudder, to be struck with extreme fear, to be horrified. And in James' day, most of the world believed that there were many gods. Even, even in the time now, we see that there's, there's different gods. But in James' day specifically, reading in the context of it, his readers knew that there was, a, there was many people who believed in many different gods. But it was the Jews who were different. And they believed that there was only one God. But here James is challenging them and he's exposing to them. And he's trying to say to them that it's not a big deal to believe in one God because even the demons know that that's true, right? Even they tremble at him. The issue is not believing that God is real, right? Because the because the, the demons knew that Jesus was real, right? We, we see that uh, here. We see that as James is exposing it to us, we also see it in the Gospels where they trembled and they knew of the power because they knew who God was. It's as simple as that. They knew who Jesus was and that Jesus was God. So the issue is not believing that God is real or that there's one God. The issue is making Jesus Christ your Savior by grace through faith and then that faith being accompanied by works. Right? That's the difference that, that happens between the demons who, who know and believe that there is one God and that Jesus is God. The difference between them and us or the demons and anyone else who just has you know, this, this knowledge or this belief that there is a God. But then there is the Christian who has completely surrendered their life and made Jesus, knowing that he is God, the one true God, and surrendering to him their life. And realizing that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that he has redeemed me, that there is repentance that comes from that. Again, we are saved by grace through a faith in Jesus Christ. Goes, James goes on to say, and we'll, we'll close, we'll try to wrap up. In verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works 
when he offered Isaac his son on the altar. Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. James here is referring to a story in Genesis chapter 22 where God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac, and we don't have time to go into that, but I would again encourage you, if you haven't read up on that story, to read it. Again, that's Genesis chapter 22. But God challenges Abraham to sacrifice his only son Isaac, and it's a great example and a picture of Jesus Christ and God to come in the New Testament where God is going to sacrifice his only son, Jesus Christ, upon our half, uh, based on our, uh, upon our half. So Abraham proves his faith by his act of obedience to God in Genesis chapter 22 when God says, go sacrifice your son. And Abraham, although it's a crazy and outrageous thing that, that, that to be asked of, he obeys God and his faith is proven by his obedience. But here's the thing. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abraham was already justified by faith. This was long before he offered Isaac. So Abraham was already justified by his faith. It was as simple as that. But later on, God challenges and tests his faith so that Abraham is able to prove his faith to God. And and really also what it does is it exposes it to Abraham that my faith is genuine, that my faith is real. I've been put through this testing and I've been, I've been found, I, I passed it. I, I passed the test. You know, and that's encouraging sometimes when, when, yes, we know that we have faith, but then we can see by the testing of our faith that our faith is genuine and our faith is real. That we can see evidence of our faith by the works that we are doing. Abraham's obedience in offering Isaac demonstrated that he really did trust in God. Do you really trust God? Do you have a real and living faith, or is it dead, as James puts it? And how can you figure that out? Well, I'm sure through this message you've already, you already understand. But again, just to put it simply, to know that you have a living faith, it is proven by your works, and those works are, are obedience to God. Am I being obedient to the scripture? Am I being obedient to the word of God? Then I know without a shadow of doubt that my faith is real. Or do I have a, a fake faith, a dead faith, where it's not accompanied by works? Because I have not been created new. I have not been given the Holy Spirit. It's a challenge. And the beautiful thing is, and if, if, you're, if you're scared or you're, you're worrying or you're wondering, the beautiful thing is that salvation is, is simple. Salvation has nothing to do with your work. Salvation has to do with everything about the work of Jesus. He's done all the work. Jesus says it is done. All you have to do is believe and trust in Jesus Christ that he is your Savior. But again, you have to repent of your sin. 
You have to repent of your sin because that was the whole reason that Jesus went to the cross was because of our sin. It was because of your sin. It was because of my sin. Our sin is what made us dead. But it was Jesus' death which made us alive, which redeemed us of our sin, which has freed us from the bondage of sin. And now we walk in the liberty of grace. I love that. Verse 22, James says, Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? Abraham's faith was a partner with his works. He didn't just sit on the sofa and trust God, right? He got up and he took his son to the Mount Moriah to sacrifice him. Abraham was obedient. Are you obedient? Or are you just sitting on your sofa and proclaiming to be a Christian? We have to get off the sidelines. We have to... We, we as Christians should be the most loving, the most selfless, the most caring, and the most giving people on the face of this planet. We have to be. We need to be. That's what proves our religion and our faith, right? James challenged us last or two weeks ago when he told us and he shared with us in verse 27 of chapter 1, pure and undefiled religion is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world, right? This pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, is that you go and do good works for others. You obey the second commandment, is to love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus again took it a step further and said, I want you to love one another, speaking of Christian to Christian, the way that I have loved you. And Jesus takes that completely exponentially further than than we could ever think or imagine because the love that I have for myself yes it's 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 pretty great it's pretty grand it's pretty big but the love that Jesus has for me is way bigger and it does not even compare to the love I have for myself so we are to show love to our neighbor we are show to love to one another and that's by doing practical things that's by giving up a seat that's by you know, helping somebody pick up something that they have dropped, opening doors for people, right? Meeting the needs of people. If somebody's hungry, give them your lunch. If somebody's thirsty, give them your water. If, if somebody's cold, give them the, the coat off your back, right? Because there will be a time, and if, if it hasn't happened already, where you will be in need and you're going to be, you're going to need the same type of love and treatment that you should be giving to others, there's going to be a time when you're going to be hungry and somebody's going to have to prove their faith by their works by giving you food, right? There's going to be a time when, when you're struggling financially or, you know, you, you, you don't have a car, right? And, and somebody just provides you and blesses you with a car. Prayer is great, but prayer should not be a substitute for our good works. In verse 24, James says, you see then a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Again, and I know this is super repetitive and it feels like we're saying the same thing over and over again. It's because we are. It's because James is. Because we have to completely understand and not take this out of context or even dilute it. But we must understand that works must accompany a genuine faith. We must understand that. 
because genuine faith is always connected with regeneration, about being born again, becoming a new creation in Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us that. If there is no evidence of a new life, there was no genuine saving faith. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way, and I love it. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. The grace that does not change my life will not save my soul. Last two verses, 25 and 26, it says, Likewise was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when, when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? We see this, and Paul is bringing this up from Joshua chapter 2, where Joshua sent two spies ahead to check out the city of Jericho. And the spies encountered this woman, Rahab, who took them in and hid them. She had faith and she believed in their God. And as a result, she took care of the spies. Right? She, she didn't just say, you know, I, I believe in your God and then not act upon it. She believed in God and then she helped it. She put it into application. Go ahead and read that story on your own time. Joshua chapter 2. In verse 26, at the end of chapter 2, it says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Faith without works is dead, but faith with works is alive and is living. As much as you can have a body with no life, so you can have a faith with no life. So that's the challenge for you and I this week. That's the encouragement and the exposition that James is giving us. That faith without works is dead and that faith should be accompanied by works and not just works but good works and how we handle and how we go about those works with what kind of heart is it with what kind of motive is it is it out of love or is it out of selfishness so the challenge you for you this week is to go put your faith to the test by proving it and exposing that it is real by doing good works and it's simple obedient things youth i would challenge you with this the simple one honor your father and your mother i know this is a huge challenge for this week because you guys are locked in a house with them for the next 168 hours of the week and it's not going to be easy but it will be a challenge and a test to your faith and improving of your faith honor your father and your mother why not because i say it but because god says it right god says it to prove your faith by doing works and those works are being obedient to the word of god so understand what the word of god says and the things that god commands us do them and obey them and put them into application